0: The Florida Panthers introduced Paul Maurice as their new head coach Thursday morning at FLA Live Arena. We'll be talking about what he said in the press conference and break it all down here today with Nick Fairbanks on this Fairbanks Friday on the on the Friday edition of the Locked On. Your Locked On Florida Panthers, Panthers your
1: daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day.
0: And welcome into this Friday, June 24th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listener of the day. I'm Armando Velez from PantherParkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at MonoMan12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore F-L-A Panthers. And thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. Don't forget to also subscribe to Lockdown NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. They'll be covering all the postseason activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, like I said at the top, the florida panthers introduced paul Maurice as their new head coach yesterday at fla live arena in a 10 10 a.m press conference got a lot of people there from all the local affiliates uh i unfortunately was not able to be there in person uh due to my day job but i was able to watch the whole thing uh after the fact and really got to really digest um really got to digest everything and really got to think about everything that paul Maurice said and even prior to all of that, hearing what he said when he resigned from the position with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, one takeaway that I just had overall is that this guy is, really is. This is a guy that when you when he talks, is it's you listen. And I could personally can hear this guy talk for hours. And let me actually bring in my guest where uh, on the show where we'll talk about the things that he did, in fact, say in the press conference. So it's Friday, which means that it's a Fairbanks Friday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. So, Nick, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you. And it's very much an exciting Fairbanks Friday edition on Locked On Panthers and uh, happy to be here again. So thank you again, Armando.
0: Absolutely, man. Let's get right into it. So when... Paul Maurice spoke about how the phone call went to when it came to him and Bill Zito, he spoke about how it was an overwhelming process, but he didn't mean overwhelming in a bad way about how, how he just loved talking about hockey with Bill Zito and that Bill Zito can like talk for hours. And just, just within 15 minutes, he knew that he it was going to be a great fit. And he also mentioned that he had never met Bill Zito in person but he knew people who connected to him and of course when when you're in that hockey community especially in the NHL level and you and you know one person's going to say this and that's going to be passed on to like how great or not great somebody is and just from what we hear of course we don't know everything that go, go, went on behind the scenes it, it it just seems that what they said in person Seems to be that they had a really good conversation. There was a lot of smiles. There was a lot of nodding. There was a lot of saying, Ha, this guy, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when you hear uh, Paul talk, I mean, I think he had talked about it. I can't remember if he said it uh, just during the press conference or if it was during the uh, Merrick show uh, earlier today that they had talked for 10 hours during the first interview. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine talking for that long? But my mind when I heard that is, okay, number one, I think Paul gets it. Number two, I think Zito understood that he gets it. And number three, they both have the same goal in mind. You can win the regular season and look fantastic like the Florida Panthers did this past season. It doesn't mean a thing once the Stanley Cup playoffs start. You can't play the same way. You have to play a dirtier game and not, you know, a bad dirty game, but you have to get those dirty uh, crease goals. You got to be able to play defensive hockey, and you got to know when to uh, clamp down defensively. So um, I think they picked the right guy, and I do honestly think that Bill Zito did do his due diligence, you know, kind of feeling out everybody who, you know, was possible to come in, and I thought he made the best choice possible.
0: Mm Mm-hmm not only was there at one point a 10-hour conversation on the uh, on the phone on the phone mind you when he mentioned Mm -hmm. it it, he also spoke about about how had this process started 10 days ago right before their press conference so that just goes to show that not only that they did an extensive uh interview process with paul Maurice, but of course they who knows what they did with everyone else as well breaking every single thing, pros and cons of what this guy brings to the table. Is this guy the right fit? And also what I took away from it was once again, when somebody from the outside is looking in talking about uh, your team, that, Whenever whenever you're in the building every day and critiquing your own, it's a little harder for you to critique what you have right in front of you because, of course, everyone's ego can get in the way. Everyone everyone has an ego. And, of course, when you hear someone from the outside talking about your team and seeing what they bring, it's like, ha, huh, maybe we do need to bring some someone from the outside. So I, I think it's a it's a good opportunity for a little bit of a change. I mean they don't have to go away completely from who they are. I mean this is a 122 point team from last season, a 58 win team and he, he even said it himself. He also talked about the little things about a full 60 minute game. He said he even said this, not a 65 minute game, which implies this, Nick that the amount of overtime games that the panthers were in of course they won a lot of them i mean i i on the top of my head i think they won 13 overtime games before it got into a shoot before it can even get into a shootout but those are those five extra minutes logged that that tires out a team but it's also talking about a playing a complete 60. he also talked about the the play of how these players play away from the puck as well. And of course he talked about the process of coming to work every day, doing the work every day and the little things. And with the experience that Paul Maurice has, I have no doubt that he is gonna apply that with this team.
1: The merit of a good manager is being able to take off the rose colored glasses and see the organization or the team that you have in front of you and be able to see its strengths and weaknesses and to address, you know, uh, those weaknesses and also applaud those uh, strengths. So I think Bill definitely did that in this process. Uh, But then Paul is now being brought in to help out with those deficiencies that the Florida Panthers did have uh, during the playoffs and also, you know, during, you know, that second round um, sweep from the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, I think this team does have it to come to work every day and work. I mean, they're led by uh, Alexander Barkov, Sergei Bobrovsky, um, you know, probably two of the hardest working uh, players in the league um, when it comes to, I mean, just getting mentally and physically ready for each game. But where the change is going to come is, is this team going to be more direct in what they want to do or are they going to be more passive? And I think what Paul was alluding to is, hey, listen, it doesn't need to be pretty in order to score or win. We need to be defensively responsible and not put ourselves in situations that are you know, going to put our defense on our, their heels and uh, put us out of position. So um, I think he understands what they need, and he's going to implement it. And it's not going to happen you know, like that. It's not going to happen right out of training camp. It's going to be a process over the season. So when they get to the playoffs again next year, hopefully um, – you know, they should already have it ingrained in how they need to play and what is expected in order to get to the Stanley Cup and win it overall.
0: And he even mentioned it as well when he was asked by uh, Mike Pasquale of WSVN about talking about whenever it comes to um, the, the mission, when it comes to uh, coming into his first season as a team. And he, he spoke about how the Cup run doesn't happen in October. But that we can guarantee that the that he excuse me, he can guarantee that this is going to be a team that's going to work their asses off from the time October starts, because this is about creating good habits along the way. And we even we even spoke about it as well. I spoke about this with you. I spoke about this with Jacob spoke about this with Frank. This team is this team is a pissed off bunch going into next season after. The the great season that they have many multiple records so many to name uh, yeah. to to re not going to rehash all of those again maybe on another day but <laughs> he spoke about investing every day in the in in the future and just keeping the focus there as well but I I, I also want to talk a little bit about his uh, about kind of a refresh and a reset for Paul Maurice. He even spoke about when he was fired the first time from Carolina by Jim Rutherford, Florida Panther fans definitely know about Jim Rutherford from their recent trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins for Patrick Hornquist. Uh So uh, when he was fired by Jim Rutherford, he was talking about how not, not necessarily thanking him, but saying about how he was burnt out as well from that time, because of course he's a human being. Let's 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 uh, let's first and foremost, he is that. And whenever you're somewhere for a long time as well, and sometimes your your mind can go in a little bit of a plateau uh, whenever you're at, at, a, at a place, second day of the, in a row that I'm using that word.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this th- he got an opportunity to reset and happened the same thing here. And assuming he got a three-year deal from what it, what's reported, but if he goes if he's with this team for a long time assuming that he is and he gets uh burnt out again i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not necessarily gonna i'm saying this now i don't think i can be angry about that as well because he's gotten so many years under his belt that with the travel with the with the grind with and he also talked about also the external factors that helped them during his time off as well that's gonna help him reset here So I think it's a really good opportunity.
1: So two things about that, because I I think I personally kind of fall into this type of um, mindset. Um, I can understand where Paul's coming from, where he gets burnt out. You know, he gets let go from a job uh, in Carolina and he was burnt out. And he thanks Jimmy Rutherford. That one, that tells me two things. Number one, that he really cared about what he was doing and the process that he put in and he cared about his players. And secondly, that he came to work every single day and did his absolute most and best that he could. Um, And you could probably say that about what he did in Winnipeg too, which is why he had to step aside. He decided to is because he understood exactly where the team was and that he had nothing left. He had no more avenues to go down to help this team and they needed a new voice. I mean think about working for the same person for eight years, it kind of just becomes redundant and redundant and you just don't know what else to kind of come at or like how to motivate somebody after a while. You know, if you've been with somebody for eight years, you kind of just like, well, you kind of need to, you already know what is expected, but um, you know, hats off to him for actually hanging it up and wanting to do better for the organization that did well by him and keeping him on as long. But um, I think, the nice thing about him coming down to Florida is that it's going to be a different atmosphere. Obviously he's going to have South Florida, uh, you know, kind of like what he had in Raleigh a little bit, but a little bit warmer, more beach access, hopefully. And he'll be able to hopefully unwind and not have to burn himself out uh, as quickly. Um, I think he is kind of betting on himself with this new position because, yes, listen, you know, he, he's got a Ferrari, that he's going to be able to drive now. And he said this, he's not putting brakes on the Ferrari. It's learning how to drive that Ferrari while in the rain. So what a an analogy to put on and the kind of mindset that he already knows that he's walking into and he's ready to go. So I couldn't be happier with kind of, you know, what he's been able to do, step away, recharge, re-energize, and now he's back and he's going to be able to give it his all. And hopefully that ends with uh, a cup win for the Florida Panthers.
0: Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely discuss more of that in the next segment because there's so much more to talk about uh, uh, when it comes to this. So we're going to talk about that more in segment number two. But first, we're going to tell you all about BetOnline. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development and league reviews and news, including this year's Stanley Cup playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continuous source for all your sports wagering information, including live, betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports, scores, podcasts, news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Visit the website today to, to, to learn more about the trends and action. betaline. where the game starts second segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Nick Fairbanks here on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. So you actually mentioned something about the beach access for Paul Maurice. And, you know, th- I always say this saying, nature is healing uh-huh. when, it, when it comes to it. And if, if there is a time that the going does get tough for Paul Maurice. I hope that he does take a little bit of time to actually take those little bits of walk on the beach as well, if necessary, during his his time off. And one thing I w- I, I kind of wish that he kind of spoke about was what he kind of did during his, during this time off in order to get his his mind in the in the right place. Because uh, of course I, I I want I want I, I think I think there should be no issue with us talking about that, whether it's doing some yoga. Going to the gym, some meditation as well, and I, I, I part of me kind of wish that he he got that out there in order for because these coaches are also, they're 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 role models, they're an inspiration, and of course, voicing that out loud could possibly influence someone out there, whether it's a Panthers fan or just a hockey fan in general, to get into a proper, a, a better headspace than what they were before. So that's something that I kind of thought about when you were talking about uh beach access when it when it uh-huh. comes to that
1: yeah i i mean it kind of allows you to kind of look back and be able to think about maybe possible decisions that you made or you know it opens up your mind to other possibilities of things that you want to be able to accomplish and you know it, it i don't know what it does for other people but for me I'm okay with just laying on the beach and kind of just allowing my thoughts to kind of like flow through me and um, just relax, take all that tension, that anxiety away and just be like, Hey, listen, I'm in this beautiful part of the world right now. I'm able to sit here. Um, What's so bad or what's so uh, strenuous about life right now. Um, Everything can just fall away. And I think that's something that, you know, should be a little bit talked about more. I, I wonder if the players even do that. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I just think about, you know, Carter Verhage and uh, Jonathan Uberto uh, driving um, like little scooters around uh, Fort Lauderdale and stuff like that during the playoffs. And that was kind of scary. And um, maybe that's their way of unwinding, you know, that's, that's their thing, but um, maybe this will be a new outlet for him and, you know, he'll be surrounded by a community that's now started to really embrace his franchise as we've seen um, in the last, you know, couple of years, and especially, you know, at home games. So um, that was definitely one um, other thing that he did mention is that, you know, when he was up in Winnipeg, you know, Canada, they weren't having any fans in the stands, and that really was bumming him out because they really kind of messed with, you know, how he coaches and how he feels games and how he looks at games, um, you know, just the whole environment itself. And now you have a team that's kind of coming together and starting to put everything and you know, one basket right now trying to win the cup and you have fans on top of that. So I think it's all a great atmosphere for him to come into, but also if he wants to leave it, you know, you got a couple miles out to the East and you have nothing but beach just to kind of like let your problems and everything melt away.
0: Yeah. And being at games one, four and five uh, of the first round, and I kind of got a little bit of that adrenaline rush when it comes to the glass case of emotions when it comes to like the up and downs of a, uh-huh. of a hockey game. And the fact that he couldn't get that at which <laughs> I don't want to hear anyone ever say that the crowd does not have an impact when it comes to a hockey game or any sport in general, because they definitely do. And remember when the Florida Panthers did play the Winnipeg Jets, uh, that was at the, at the time in around January where there were there, there, the Omicron variant was going around uh, uh-huh. still. And Canada was, uh, I think, Winnipeg at the time only put two hundred fifty uh, fans in the stands in that game specifically that Florida Pan- the Florida Panthers were playing uh, Winnipeg. And I'm, uh, i he did resign before that though, correct? But but the fact that it, it lays an impact on on how on the mindset and how and the in the emotion that goes into that game. Not saying that they can't create their own. That's not what I'm saying. But that can play a big factor. And that's he that's he said that quote on the Jeff Merrick show, and that affected him as well. But let's talk a little bit about, um, about Bill Zito, about what he was asked about the different experience um, that comes to it. Um, and he was asked about it. He was asked by David Wilson of the Miami Herald, and he uh, he gave a lot of kudos to Bruno, um, told said that he came into a like a, a really Difficult situation, something that we've hashed on already on the show as well, Uh but he mentioned, he mentioned a little something that we all have talked about as well. So this is something that Bill Zito is very aware of. He mentioned the cap when it comes to when it comes to the Panthers offseason and the fact that he kind of said that out loud in the press conference. Uh, goes to show that he's already starting to already lay the groundwork. I know we've seen recent reports of like what they're trying to do with possibly Sergei Bobrovsky, even keeping fifty percent, but it it just goes to show that this this job for coach GM, it's a it's an even if they're in the off season, it's an everyday process. They're there for long hours, and this this just also goes to show how badly badly Bill Zito wants to win.
1: Definitely. And he, he's, you know, we, we've spoken on this in a couple of other shows and, you know, I know you and Jacob have talked about it as well that, you know, in a way he, he's still trying to clean up some of the contracts that, you know, Dale Talon, unfortunately, signed some players to. I mean, you know, Bobrovsky was a huge need. Um, you know, Luongo was on his last leg, literally, uh, of his career. And, you You know what other goaltender were the florida Panthers going to go out and get they wanted the big fish they wanted the two-time vesna winner and unfortunately it just didn't work out the first two years and finally the third year it finally clicked but you know to pay 10 million dollars for a goaltender um just probably is not the wisest way to use the cap um especially with more contracts coming up you know you have jonathan uberdo uh you're going to have probably aaron eckblatt in the next couple years that's probably going to need an extension um, you know, you got to wonder what's going to happen with Mackenzie Wigger, too, uh, if they you're going to decide that bringing him back and then, you know, pay him. But, you know, this job is more than just choosing the right coach. It's making sure you have the right personnel uh, on your team, you know, surrounding you, and then also making sure that you have the right players in place to make everything successful. And sometimes tough decisions need to be made. And unfortunately, you know, it sounds like that. You know, somebody like Sergei Bobrovsky or even Patrick Hornquist could be uh, one of those contracts that, unfortunately, had to be sacrificed for the betterment of the team. It,
0: it's 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 likely at this point that it's going to be more Patrick Hornquist than than Sergei Bobrovsky based on the clauses that they have in their contract. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm still not betting on Bobrovsky being traded. Uh, I I don't I just I just think that's going to be really hard to make happen. Um, and he the the ball is in Bobrovsky's court on whether he wants to make that trade happen as well. But uh, also one thing I really got, uh, took away from what Paul Marie said was talking about critiquing his own performance. And after a certain amount of time, when you're in this league, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you know when you've done something wrong and you know, when you've done something right. And the fact that, paul marie says that he's able to critique his own performance and say uh when when the time is is up for him it, it's it's also very admirable as well and i don't think even if he's not in the position to walk away here i uh-huh. think that i think that instead of when we, what we saw with bruno was critiquing himself after the fact and of course that comes with um experience that's not to crap on bruno but the fact that we're gonna see self-critique as well, we're probably mm-hmm. gonna see that a lot in post-game pressers, like immediate. Especially if, which we don't wish this happened, but if the Florida Panthers happen to get blown out in a game, you're gonna, you're likely gonna see Paul Maurice just taking the blame right away and and being accountable right away and not putting things towards other other things like officiating or uh, uh, or set or not or even throwing a goalie under the bus
1: yeah and that that'll be something that i I think i'm gonna look forward to i mean um i always enjoyed um q's press conferences because you could read a lot into what he was saying and also not saying um i also think paul is going to say exactly what he thinks i think Mm -hmm. it's going to be refreshing to hear his insights into the game and what decisions were made and why and you know, he's going to be mad with himself with some decisions that he made, but it'll be refreshing to see, like, hey, I made a decision, I messed up, I need to be better, and this is what we're going to do going forward, instead of, oh, well, you know, we'll go to practice tomorrow, and uh, you know, we'll figure it out, or you know, like Bruno said, you know, it's you know, during the season, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll use the last couple of games to kind of figure out our defensive identity. Like, no, you should have been working on that, like the whole season uh, to get prepared for it, and you know maybe listen to your gut instead of you know the outside because listen you played in the league for a long time and you know you've been around other organizations so you know maybe trust yourself a little bit more and maybe we'll get that out of paul you know i really hope we see that and you know as you said i hope we get to see the self-critique you know in a week or, or in a game on game or a week on week basis
0: no no doubt and uh I I spoke about it. I spoke about it even before we uh, hit record on on the show, putting in the group chat saying, I really like how this guy speaks. And then Frank Rikus was talking about uh, how it kind of reminded him of him of Mike, uh, Mike Keenan. And Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was before my time of being a Panthers fan, (laughs) but uh, definitely, uh, definitely not the first coach that uh, Panther fans are going to like what they, what they hear when it comes to, (laughs) what he says after, especially after a win or especially after a, and of course being, being, of course, being honest because we, we are, we are in fact the hardest people to critiquing the self is the hardest person to critique. We, it's easy to do it to other people, but it's, it's harder to definitely uh, do it to, to us.
1: So one thing I want to share uh, with you and also everybody who's listening, um, if you want to get an idea of what Paul Maurice is like when he's trying to build up a team or build up a particular player, go listen to what he said to Kevin Weeks when Kevin Weeks was a Carolina hurricane getting ready for a playoff game. I guarantee you this is the guy you want talking to your players and getting you ready going into a game. I mean, like I wanted to run through a brick wall and he wasn't even talking to me, but what he said to Weeksie, uh not only was hilarious to me, but secondly, it's just like, okay, this guy believes in me. I'm going to go out and do the job. And he ended up doing it, but I'm telling you, you got to listen to what Weeksie says and how he says it because he sounds just like him. Mm-hmm. He does a awesome. pretty good impersonation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh one, one other note that before we transition over to the third segment as well, is that his son got accepted to the university of Miami and Hey, uh, his son will likely not be taking those, uh, student loans with that, uh, school being as expensive as it is. So his son is also in a great position. If he decides to go, uh, to the university of Miami, he got accepted, but no, didn't say any word of whether he's actually going to go there or not. So also a good situation for the whole Maurice family, not only Paul, but his wife and his child as well. So happy for that family as well. But we're gonna transition over to the next segment where we are going to discuss what happened in game four of the Stanley Cup final. So we're gonna discuss that all and more here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Third and final segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. I'm Ramon Velez. I got Nick Fairbanks here. So Nick, when Frank and I were recording last night, it was in the middle of the second period. And mm-hmm. we, we discussed a little bit about how the Tampa Bay Lightning were just, even though uh, possession and offensive zone time for the Avalanche was very controlled, uh, they weren't getting the shots on goal that they uh, needed uh, for, for, the, for the first period. But then they just came firing in the second period, outshot the, outshot the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in, the se- in the second period. 33 to 16, as far as shot attempts, uh, the, and then, uh, they, even though at one point it was 18 to four in shots on goal and then only lost that advantage by two. And then, uh, and then we see Nathan McKinnon, uh, get a goal. And then that, that controversial play at the mm-hmm. very, very end of the game where, uh, where Darcy Kemper, uh, I there was a stat on like uh goalies uh with an assist on in the Stanley Cup final. If if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think he's the first goalie to have an assist in a Stanley Cup final game, if I'm not uh mistaken. So getting that's the, amazing getting the puck out and then uh and then Lekanen get it to getting to Nazem Kadri. Of course, there was that controversial too many men on the ice penalty of what 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 was or wasn't. Um, and then there was uh shades of Patrick Kane from the 2010 Stanley Cup final game six uh, from what when he scored the game winner in Philly to win the cup and I was just thinking okay that probably hit the net and then I see them celebrating and I was just confused I'm like no way this happened again and I figured out this morning that that happened 15 years to the day that Patrick Kane was drafted number one overall (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's amazing, actually. You know, yeah. two two big uh, stats there. So number one, you know, Darcy Kemper uh, being the first goalie to have a, an assist in the Stanley Cup game. Think of all the greats that have played the game and that are Hall of Famers. And, you know, like I think of like Grant Fuhr. you know, with the, um, you know, w- with a couple of teams that he played with, considering that, he, you know, he, he scored a couple goals. I mean, not in the Stanley Cup, but like as a goaltender, he scored a couple of goals, but not to assist in a Stanley Cup game is kind of amazing. But um, the the play that you know we're kind of talking about the too many men. Um, I don't know. It, it's interesting to me that you know they they want to make a big deal out of it right now. When you and I were talking about it offline, that I think Tampa benefited from something similar last season when they had seven guys on the ice and it wasn't called um you know it sometimes it works in your favor sometimes it doesn't you know i i'm not gonna you know cry too too much for tampa bay because listen i don't think they deserve to win the game they, they couldn't hold them down they couldn't hold uh, colorado down the whole game i mean they did what they usually do in the first period panthers fans know this well i mean they got in the lanes and they you know resisted or got uh, blocked a lot of shots but you know other than that it was colorado's game and unfortunately they were just you know they were the better team so um John Cooper, you know, for, you know, what he was trying to do and frame the, the, uh, situation as it was, um, sorry, bud, you know, you, you have two cups already. Uh, I wouldn't be whining so much. Go out, win the next game, get your team ready for the next game. Don't worry about what just happened.
0: Yeah. And, uh, we spoke about this pre-recording as, uh, as he's using that lawyer talk and because that was his experience before, before, uh, getting to the NHL about, uh, switching a story and he didn't necessarily say that was a too many men on the ice because yeah. that would have resulted in a fine but he he was careful about what words he used that he so that he wouldn't get fined and here's the exact stat when it comes to Darcy Kemper uh, of the exact wording on what Darcy Kemper did so Darcy Kemper is the first goaltender to an, to assist on an overtime game winner in Stanley ah, Cup final history, so okay. that's the exact one of of there. There's probably been assists by goaltenders before in a Stanley Cup final game, but not in an overtime. So we we've praised a lot of Igor Sesterkin, uh this season, on how he's <laughs> able to get the puck out quickly for for a rush going the other way. But Darcy Kemper, of course, there's still questions about about goaltending in Colorado. But hey after a bad game in game three, Darcy Kemper was able to bounce back. They were able to protect him as well. I mean, look at the, look at the, what we talk about also control about what Colorado had in that overtime. I mean, the, the, the goal was scored at twelve o two in the, in the overtime period. I mean, 18 to eight in shot attempts and shots on goal, 10 to three for, for Colorado. So they were just dominating. Oh. And, uh, Valsaloski, um, there was a big save that he had on O'Connor that, that, Colorado had another chance to have a game winner, um, in in that in that overtime period as well. So the the Vasilevsky was keeping uh keeping them in this game, and also that Victor Hedman goal. It's crazy because the broadcast brought up that that was his first backhand goal this season in the regular season and postseason. I mean, I know he finished third in the Norris uh, Trophy voting, but the the fact that he's it, I, I kind of saw that as like an Fu moment for uh, him not not winning Norris. I know he's won one before, but mm. hey, that mm-hmm. that that was that was a great goal by Victor Hedman to uh to uh to uh t- at the time uh, give the Tampa Bay Lightning a lead.
1: Yeah, I mean he he is one of the best defensemen for a reason, and he he's got really good hands. Um, you know, it's it's something that I think he's kind of had to develop. Um, you know, outside of you know. Uh, Being the giant of a defenseman, he is. Um, But at the same time, you know, I I just, I think after, you know, Tampa took that 2-1 lead is when kind of the game decided to turn and Colorado kind of took things seriously and started turning the game over in their favor. Um, But uh, to be honest with you, I think the series is over. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I equate, what happened last night to what happened in game two of the, you know, Florida Tampa series. Uh, I think the, (laughs) the air out of the balloon just came out or it popped, whatever you want to call it. And I think John Cooper's um, press conference kind of sealed the deal for me on that. I think he, he's feeling pretty defeated about that. So um, I think tomorrow Colorado seals it and they, uh, they get what their third cup Mm -hmm. um, in like what, 30 years, something Mm -hmm. like that, or hold on.
0: 25 26 years yeah yeah they they uh they moved uh from Quebec over to Colorado around the same time that the Florida Panthers were in their inception so so yes um so yeah the the Colorado Avalanche one one win away uh from lifting Lord Stanley's Cup uh i i did tweet this out from the locked Florida Panthers page it was uh it was uh it was Alexa play are you dead yet by children of bodom uh so <laughs> they're unfortunately not around anymore but that was a really uh big band that I that I uh that I listened to growing up. David Lasseter is uh definitely very uh familiar with uh that group. They're actually <laughs> from they're actually from Anton Lindell's uh, hometown in Espoo. Fun, fun, fun. That's
1: right. That's right. You guys are talking about that. That's actually kind of ironic in a way. But <laughs> no, that that's a good catch by you.
0: Yeah, I I looked it up yesterday. I was like, I knew they were from Finland, but I, I was like, which town are that? And I saw Espoo, and the first thing I thought of was uh, Anton Lindell. Um, what one more thing? One more thing uh, about uh, about the Stanley Cup final is um when when it, when it comes to what uh, what not the Stanley Cup final. Actually, let's go a little bit to Paul Maurice. Is that one thing that is a criticism of Paul Maurice? Uh, is development of young players and questions about it. And the first one I actually thought of was Anton Lindell as well. And, yeah. of course, with how he performed in the second round, of course, uh, resulted in a little bit of a benching, which doesn't – it's not a detriment to his development. It's just a young player going through his lumps. and But the fact that he's had the time in Finland as well in, in, in Helsinki – I, I don't think it's going to be the same situation where Paul Maurice is going to hold someone back like Anton Lindell. The fact that he's had a pro career over there and that fact that he's had one season under his belt, if it were his rookie season and Paul Maurice was coming in, I think that it might have might could possibly be a different story, but the fact that he has already have that one season in, I'm not necessarily concerned.
1: So I'm going to equate, well, I don't want to equate it, but I want to kind of give a comparison. Um, so, we know Patrick Laine was drafted by the Jets and he played for them for a long time and unfortunately got traded out because he just wasn't working out well. Why wasn't he working out? He was a one-way player. He scored goals. I mean, yeah, there would be some highlight goals where he would get the puck and take an end-to-end and score, but, you know, that's about it. What's Anton, Lund- uh, uh, Anton Lundell's game? He plays both ends of the ice, and if anything, his defensive game is arguably arguably better than his offensive game. So, um, the fact that the coaching staff previous to Paul Maurice trusted him that much to give him the third over, you know, the third line duties, and possibly now going to be moving him up to possibly second, um, I think Paul is going to have the same respect and also the same mindset going into this season with Anton Lundell, knowing that he, he he can trust him and he plays the exact right way that Paul is going to expect his centermen to play.
0: Mm-hmm. And during uh, Paul Maurice's time in Winnipeg, it's it's been more of an offensive uh, team that he's had there. Um, and the fact that his, we, we could say at this point in time that Anton Lundell's defensive game is better than his offensive game at this point in time. Of course, that could, that can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that he's got that down, I think that it could possibly be a, a level up uh, once Paul Maurice gets here. So, But that's, uh, that's something that we could talk about in... it it, like for for like multiple minutes here so we're kind (laughs) of
1: I I have one more point okay name me one Panthers coach that's been known to develop talent
0: Mm. on the top of my head I mean when you think about when you think about tenure, uh, as, lo- as far as I've, I've followed this team, there hasn't been coaches that have been, even been here long enough to develop it.
1: I think the closest thing that they've ever had was um, Roger Nielsen. Mm-hmm. That clo- that like their first coach, that was it. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't see any other coach that they had that was good with young players or being able to shape them into you know, superstars. I mean, you could probably say Mike Keenan because he unlocked uh, Ali Yokinen but Ali wasn't, you know, that young. He was in his mid-20s when he finally took off. And, you know, it just took the right type of coaching, the right type of, um, you know, mentoring that got him going. And, you know, I don't think Florida's too worried about developing right now. They're in it to win it in the next couple of years. And, you know, we've already sold a lot of the draft capital. So it's like, hey, you know, we're in it now and we need to win right now.
0: <laughs> Now's the time, exactly, uh, and we could talk that about that way more in full. As you know, I mean, we're only in June. I mean, opening night is like less than four months away. Crazy, only crazy crazy. only four months, only four months. So we'll, we'll we have a whole off season to put a bigger perspective into that. But Nick, I want to thank you once again for joining this Fairbanks Friday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you online.
1: Armando, thank you again for having me on. Um, It's always enjoyable to do these Fairbanks Friday episodes, but um, with everybody listening, thank you again for listening. Um, You can even watch us on YouTube, but um, you guys can find me on Twitter at zero, and also find my work on pantherparkway.com.
0: Definitely, and we are one subscriber away from 100 subscribers on the YouTube channel, so... Go, go ahead it. and go ahead and subscribe to the channel so you can see both our beautiful faces and of course Jacob's beautiful face when he comes on Fridays and Frank once in a while and everyone else who comes on Lockdown Panther. Panthers. So uh, subscribe to the show. So thank Nick. Thank you once again.
1: Anytime, and uh, let's get that hundred subscriber.
0: Absolutely. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you will be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe to Lockdown NHL and the Cross-Check NHL Show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark, who will be covering all the postseason activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you listen to today's episode of Lockdown NHL. From each round to the Stanley Cup kiss, Lockdown NHL has you covered every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get podcast, Sarma so less with Nick Fairbanks, and you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where's your team? Every day.